Welcome to another episode. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Brother Jamie Walden who joined us last week. Folks, keep him in prayer. When you get out on the front line, uh, like Brother Jamie and Benjamin and David and other people have been on this program, you become a target for the enemy. And we need to keep them in prayer because this is the hour that God has called us to as believers. And we're going to talk about that tonight because this program is deadly serious. It is titled, persecution and the gates of hell. And you're going to find out what that means. But you've seen this week, it has gotten crazier and crazier to the point where, folks, I truly believe that good thing, goodness, things that are known to be good are over in this country. Now, could we always have a turnaround for a while, for a little bit? Thing, hey, listen, God is in control, not me. But I can tell you right now, when they take over the school systems and they allow your children to be indoctrinated for decades upon decades upon decades, this is what happens. And you, as a believer, are now the enemy of many in the government of the United States of America. Not because you are blowing up and doing things. We know the implants. We know the Antifa and all that stuff that's going on. It's not that. It's because you don't agree with the radical agenda. And folks, I'm telling you, you better realize tonight or whenever you may be listening to this program, you better realize one thing. Are you ready to stand? Or are you ready to run? Let's pray. Father, in the name above every name, Jesus. I ask that you would bless this show to be a blessing to your people, Lord, and that it would come from your heart and your throne and not my flesh. Lord, please lead through this message so that at the end of it, the people will know that this is God's will, that we as believers would make a decision for this hour. I ask it in the name above every name, Jesus, Yeshua. Amen. Pioneers were making their way across one of the central states to a distant place that had been opened up for homesteading. They traveled in covered wagons drawn by oxen, and progress was necessarily slow. One day, they were horrified uh, to realize that there was a fire off in the distance. They could see the smoke rising and coming across the prairie. And as soon as it was evident that they were surrounded in dry grass, they needed to make a decision on what to do. One man only seemed to have understanding as what could be done in this situation. He gave the command to set fire to grass behind them. Then when a space was burned over, the whole company moved back on it as the flames roared on towards them from the west. A little girl began to cry out in terror. She said, are you sure we shall not all be burned up? The leader replied, my child, the flames cannot reach us here for we are standing where the fire has already been. Folks, we are entering a time of fire and persecution. But the good news is, the flames cannot burn that which is already dead. I'm talking about 
your flesh. I'm talking about that carnal nature. When it has been killed, when it has been crucified, the persecution from the enemy cannot touch it. What we see going on right now in the United States and around the world is happening to God's people is atrocious. If you look at the Voice of the Martyrs and other groups like that that keep up on Christian persecution, yes, folks, Christians are the most persecuted people in the world, hands down, and it is only getting worse. And now in a place which was supposed to be a safe haven for free thought, a safe haven for uh, differencing in opinions in the United States, we now see that you are the enemy of the state if you do not believe in these radical agendas. If you are now a conservative, you are a radical in the United States. If you are a Christian, you are now dangerous. If you believe homosexual is a sin, you are now a hateful person. And it's okay to kill 48 million babies worldwide according to what they believe around this world. But if you say that it's wrong, you are now impending on people's rights and you are full of hate speech because you believe in the value of human life. We talk about how many people have died from COVID. Folks, that is nothing. That is a drop in the bucket, 48 million. It's, it's between 45, 40 to 50, around there somewhere in between. Million babies are killed every year worldwide. It's worse than the Holocaust. It's worse than slavery. It's worse than anything else that happens. But if you stand against the values of life, you are now the enemy of many in the government of the United States. You can no longer preach against sin because you will be charged with a hate crime. Marriages are falling apart. Money is tighter than ever. People are losing their jobs. Poverty is on the increase and depression hear me on this. Depression is killing so many people in the U.S. and around the world because of these COVID lockdowns. They cannot touch. They cannot talk. They they, they don't have any interaction with people, and it is killing people. And after a while, you start to have to ask yourself, is this an accident or is this by design? Our economy is on the verge of collapse. I know many people want their little stimulus checks. They want their $2,000. They want their $600, whatever it is they want it. But the truth is you cannot continue to print money forever. It cannot sustain itself. And our value system in the United States has officially been destroyed along with the United States Constitution. Things are not looking good. Pain and tribulation are on the increase, and we as humans don't like it. We don't like it. We don't like our way, especially in the United States of America, being messed with. We don't like it when people mess up our way of life. We're used to the comfortable things, the easy life, the way things continuing on steady. We don't like it when things get rocky, especially here in the U.S., I mean, hardship like in third world countries where they are starving and fighting just to survive from one day to the next. We don't want to have that here because it's so often we forget what it's like for people that already live in these types of situations. I feel sad for those who have never been able to experience what it's like to be in the third world. But I'll tell you what, every time I'm in the mission field, I'm in Africa up in the mountains and I've seen poverty and I've seen hardship and I've seen deformities and leprosy and those kind of things like that on people. It is a reminder 
of how blessed I have been. And it is a reminder to be thankful for the things that I have. And the problem we're facing so many people today, Christians are asking themselves, why God? Why all the trials? Why all the suffering? Why is the enemy allowed to cause so much pain in our lives? Listen, folks, I have loved this country. I've served this country. I am a United States Marine. That's the difference. When you're a Marine, you're a Marine for life. I went in and I wanted to do my part. But the truth is, I'm not planning on this world lasting forever. This is not my home. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And I read in the Bible that on top of all these trials that people are going for, that there is a time coming when there will be a line that is drawn in the sand and we as believers will be forced to make a public decision whether we will stand for Jesus or whether we will serve the enemy. Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 15, says this, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand and in their forehead, and that no man might buy nor sell save he that have the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six. Now, I know many of you listening to this program might think you're already on an escape train out of there, but you better hold your horses and be stale for a while because things might not work out the way that you think they're going to work out. Persecution is coming for all believers We're not getting out and we're not escaping. I don't understand this escape theology because the Chinese have been suffering intense persecution. Are they not worthy to escape? For them, the tribulation has been going on for years already, but they're not good enough? Folks, it's crazy. Jesus promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and he promised not to pull us out of the world, but keep us from the evil. That's what God is going to do. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. I make no apologies for my beliefs. But this is what is going to happen. There is coming a time when you must choose whether you feed your belly and serve the beast or whether you feed your soul and serve the Lord. You see, so on top of all these trials, we see that the devil is now going to impose his mark. And unless you take this mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. Simply saying, you are going to have to rely on God to provide your food. If you think that's a crazy thought, if you think that's never happened in history, go look at what the Lord did to the army with Joshua before he led him up to take over the walls of Jericho. Not only did he circumcise all the men and basically cripple them, he stopped the manna from falling from heaven and sent them against a city whose walls were impenetrable. Could you imagine that? God crippled the army and he took away their food from heaven and sent them against a city they could not overcome. Some people would say that is terrible military planning. But with God in control, he was showing them that they were going to have to rely upon him and him alone. And I read these things, and yet it seems so often like God's people are suffering so much, and they keep just saying, Lord, why? Why me? Why is this happening right now? 
And so I end up coming to this eternal life uh, question we all do at times in our minds. And, and you have to ask yourself this, if this is what's going to happen, am I, is brother Frank, is brother so or sister so-and-so, are you, am I ready to stand? Will we be ready? Will you be ready? to stand up for Christ, even even when the enemy is taking away your ability to buy and sell, when you literally have no idea what you will find, where you'll find your next meal or get medicine for your children or clothes for your family, will you be willing to stand? The Bible is very specific that hard times, folks, listen to me, hard times are coming, they are starting now. But God is going to use what the devil means for bad, to actually be for good. That's the power of our God. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6, says this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so here in the, through the through the apostle Peter, the Lord, the Spirit of God is speaking and saying, Listen, there is going to, your faith is going to be tried like gold is tried. And we know that when gold is tried with the fire, it is simply for one reason. That's to remove the dross, the impurities, to get rid of the stuff that devalues the gold. You see, folks, in so many people's lives, they are being devalued right now because of sin and compromise in this world. And God's like, you know what? I'm faithful, I'm true, and I'm gonna make sure that I stick to my word and I'm gonna get you through this thing, but there is going to be some trials and it's gonna be by fire. But it's not to hurt you, folks. It's God is not trying to harm you. He didn't try to harm the three men in the fiery furnace when he put them in there. But the Bible says that the ropes, the things that bound them, that was what was burned off in that fire. And God is going to release us as believers from the bondage of this world through the trials that we go through on this earth because he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Praise God. But I told you, though, it's not only for the purifying. I said that the Lord is going to use what the devil meant for bad for good. Continuing on, 1 Peter, but over in chapter 5, starting in verse 8, this is what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Yes, does that sound like what's going on in D.C. today with the politicians? Yes, they want to devour us as believers, as people that believe in a conservative lifestyle. Yes, they want to devour us because that's what the devil wants to do. So if you want to know what side they're on, there you have your answer. Continuing to verse 9, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. 
You see, God is going to use these hardships. God's going to use that bad news that you just received. God's going to use these trials and tribulations to establish and settle your faith. Folks, we haven't seen anything yet. We don't know what persecution is in this country. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not looking forward to it. The Bible says, woe unto those who desire the day of the Lord. It is a day of darkness. I'm not looking forward to this stuff at all. No, but I am looking forward to the second coming of my Lord and Savior. And I know that I, just like everybody else, we need some tune-ups from time to time. We need some cleanups. We need some spring cleanings, some spiritual spring cleanings. And God will use this so that you are so stable and settled that you will be able to handle whatever's coming on. It's the same thing they did to us in the military. They put us through extreme situations. They put us through all this pressure so that when you're actually in war and the enemy's coming, you can remain calm because you've already been through the fire and the fire can't burn where it has already been. God understands that we have a mission in this hour. And the church is for the most part backslidden here in the United States and in the Western uh, world and Europe and, and Australia especially. And the Lord is going to deal with this because he needs spiritual warriors, not sissies. I'm so sick and tired of the sissified Christianity that has been unfortunately put taught to the believers in this world that somehow God is nothing but a fluffy teddy bear. I'm telling you, we are dealing with a warrior, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's our God, not some little pansy. And men, you need to man up in this hour. Manning up does not mean you go out and shoot and kill people. No, man up means you're willing to fight. And even when it's hard, you still get on your knees and you pray and you forgive and you intercede and you help even when you don't feel like it. But you don't give up. You keep fighting. You keep pressing forward because souls depend on it. It's not about whether we can maintain the United States of America. That's not what it's about. Listen, that would be wonderful. I love being American. But the truth is, it's about saving souls for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Period. End of sentence. It's always been the mission. It will always be the mission because if you've read the Bible, this world is coming to an end. John Wesley once said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Wow. If preachers only preached like that anymore. What John Wesley was saying was, I don't care if you're a clergyman. I don't care if you're just a layman, but spirit-filled believers that hate sin and they desire God can change people's lives and change the state of the future by turning people to Christ. What can God do when he has a spirit-filled group of believers who will not rest until they have brought every last soul to Jesus? I mean, you heard what Wesley said, find a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and they'll change the world. I mean, what that is what happened in the early church, wasn't it? 
They were persecuted, beaten, poor, few possessions, wanderers, outcasts, hated, tax collectors, prostitutes, brawlers, messed up, broken up, failures, jockeying for position while deserting, denying, cursing disciples who in their weakness, brokenness while in prayer got filled with the spirit and turned the world upside down on their feet in 30 years, took the gospel around the world. That's what the Lord can do to a bunch of broken believers who will turn their hearts towards him. There was nothing perfect about the early church. They were absolute disasters. Go read the Bible again. But what happened when they turned their hearts to the Lord and they allowed him to fill them with the spirit, they changed the course of human history. And I look around today and I see a defeated, half-hearted church here in America that cares more about preserving the comforts in the United States of America than saving their, their neighbor's life from the pit of hell. We care more about our comforts and living in this plush society than winning souls for the kingdom. Folks, I'm not saying anything's wrong with living here in the United States. I love the United States of America. But we are more concerned with our comforts than with people that are perishing. This is about to change. You see, the gates of hell will not stop God's church. They can shut down our social media. They can allow this country to be taken over by Marxist communists, but they cannot kill our soul and they cannot stop God's church. We are here until the very end because God has a mission for us to reach a dying world. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to share a story with you I just love in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6, you remember maybe the backstory a little bit here. The king of Syria was making war with the king of Israel, and he kept trying to set up attacks and ambushes and things like that. And every time he would try to do that, Elisha the prophet, would the Lord would reveal it to him, and he would reveal it to the king of Israel, and they would stop it. And he was angry and frustrated and convinced that he had a spy in his own ranks. So finally, picking up in verse 8, one of his servants tell him what's going on here. He says this, or excuse me, in verse 12, And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that he speakest in thy bedchamber. He says, Listen, king, it doesn't matter what you, what you think. Elisha has a God that is telling him what is happening when you are actually in your bed, speaking in your sleep, speaking in quiet, when you are thinking thoughts he is telling what's going on verse 13 and he said go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him and it was told him saying behold he is in Dothan therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host and they came by night and compassed the city about and when the servants of the man of God was risen early and gone forth behold an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots and his servants said unto him alas my master how shall we do and he said fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite this people, I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of the Lord. So here we are. 
The whole city of Dothan is surrounded by a great Syrian army. Fear grips the heart of people. What do you do? You're surrounded and, the sur- and there is no way out. It looks like they are toast. There was a new servant with Elisha. His, this was not Gehazi. He was dismissed after uh, he had went to Naaman to get the reward uh, for the works of God after the Lord healed Naaman when he dipped in the river Jordan seven times. If you remember that story, don't confuse it. This is not Gehazi. This is a new servant that didn't know the power of God in the servant Elijah like Gehazi had seen, but he had probably heard about it, yet has never fully experienced it. Since there was this lack of an intimate relationship with his master, he was fearful because he didn't understand what God had done through Elisha. And so here it was in that moment of panic, Elisha's servant cries out and says, my master, how shall we do? Now notice, he didn't say, what shall we do? He said, how should we do? What he was saying was, is Elisha, we are trapped. How can we possibly make it out of the mess that we are in? Elisha, seeing the terror on his servant's heart, prays to the Lord and asks him to open his eyes. And when he does, he sees the mountains filled with the fiery chariots and horses round about. God was in control of the system, of the situation. No army in the world was going to frighten Elisha because he knew that his God was there to fight for him that day. Church, remnant, those that are listening, remember this right now. The church of God, I say to you from the bottom of my heart that the lion of the tribe of Judah is ready and is going to fight for his church today. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and and the name is called the word of God. You see, there is a war going on in the spirit realm for the souls of men and women. And God is ready to fight. Matter of fact, he's coming back as a warrior in these last days. But the church is still sitting around in America waiting on what's going to happen. I don't understand. I thought Trump was going to win all these things, waiting on their pastor to do something, waiting on someone else on some program to do something, waiting on their elders to do something, always waiting on someone else while the world is dying and people are going to end up in hell. We need to do something about it, believers. We need to reach people and we need to start today. I'm afraid we have lost the confidence in the one we serve. We look at an evil, the evil in this world and it almost seems unsavable. The people seem unsavable. And because of it, we know that the world is coming to an end. We just sit back and feel paralyzed like we are defeated when in reality, this is the time we are called forth to shine. Now, if you don't know my testimony, if you don't know my story, I'll give it to you in a real short sentence. I was strung out on drugs, running around my wife, committing every sin you could possibly imagine. And in one day, the Lord saved my life outside of a church while driving home from work when he reached down and touched my heart and changed me forever. I left strung out on drugs, on meth, and all these things one morning. I came home born again. And if God can save me, he can save anybody. 
And I'm telling you right now, don't ever think somebody is beyond the grips of salvation because God is a specialist in reaching those who seem like they are unsavable. And this is the hour God is calling us to save the souls of those that are ready to perish. It is time to change, and change only comes when people are willing to admit the problem, that they've been lazy, that they've not been doing what God's asked them to, and they repent and cry out to God for forgiveness. I know of no other way. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying, if he is the one building the church, that not even the gates of hell can stop it. And we know the gates are designed to keep either someone in or someone out. And right now, there are people trapped, crying out, trapped behind the very gates of hell in this society that have been built up full of sin and deception, crying out for salvation, and they just need somebody who is willing to come forward in the name of Jesus and kick those gates open and offer them the gift of salvation from the very word of God and watch souls be changed forever. Church, people need the Lord in this hour. The world is in an outright tailspin and we have a duty to save the lost. It's not going to get better. It will get worse, but God will use us to make a change to save souls because when we are in the kingdom with him one day forever and we look back at the lives that were touched and you see the people that you had no idea that you ever had any influence on and they come up and say, man, I remember that time you shared something and you're like, I don't even, I didn't even know you were listening. And then a couple years later, they remembered that word that you had shared with them and God saved their soul. Folks, you're going to find those people that you never knew that you even made a difference in. You know, I remember this story. My buddy Steve, we had done a lot of drugs together and party and worked together for some years. And I remember that uh, we hadn't seen each other. I got my life turned around and Steve was still bad on drugs and and I'd heard that some years of me not seeing him, that Steve was going to church. So I called him up one day and I said, Steve, I said, man, uh, I heard you, you turned around. You're going to church and everything. You've gotten your life turned around. I said, what happened, man? He said, I never forgot the day we were in the bottom of this building. We were working on something together. He said, you told me that the Lord was waiting on me. And he said, I never forgot that. I had no idea that that simple little sentence was going to have an impact on Steve. You see, folks, this hour is so fearful to so many, and yet God is calling us to shine brightly in the darkness. We need to stand. We need to fight because the souls of men depend on it. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call, saying good night and shalom.
something.